Welcome back, everyone, to the Dear Taiwan podcast. My name is Teacher Joseph. As we continue our map tour, we find ourselves today in the southern city of Tainan, a city which feels much smaller than it is. It's a bastion of Taiwanese culture and history, really keeping traditions alive. So get ready to visit an array of temples, snack on sweet eel noodles, and wander around quaint, picturesque lanes with art around every corner. And try your best to not get hit by a speeding scooter as you cross the road. This time on the Dear Taiwan podcast, welcome to Tainan. So when Taiwanese people might begin to introduce the food of their island, they uh, might say Nantian Beixian, which means South Sweet, North Salty, or a rough translation. Uh, frankly, I actually believe that the saying should be Beitian uh, Nan meaning North Sweet, South Even Sweeter. But the point still stands that food in the South, Tainan, to a lesser extent Kaohsiung, is very sweet. People really do cook with sugar. And that kind of harkens back to Taiwan's history as, sorry, Tainan's history as a port city and trading hub starting in the 1620s with the arrival of the Dutch. Um, whether or not there was a sugar production industry on this part of South Taiwan, uh, I'm not entirely sure, but there was definitely a sugar trading industry. So wealthy merchants, be them Dutch, uh, Chinese migrants from Fujian province back at the time, or even people of mixed ancestry, be them Han Chinese and Aboriginal, if they could afford sugar, they would buy sugar. Sugar was a much more expensive at this time in history, of course, and it was kind of flashy and showy to eat food with a lot of sugar and cook with sugar whenever you could. So you'll find sugar added to a lot of dishes in Tainan, and uh, we'll be getting much more into Tainan's food and individual dishes later. But that was the first thing I noticed upon going down to Tainan and, and eating, was you'll find sweet foods in a lot of the most unexpected places. Tainan is a fairly compact and walkable city. The locals might tell you differently because it is quite hot most of the year and not necessarily comfortable to walk the entire day. But for the practical traveler, all the places you will want to see kind of are clustered downtown in one single district, that is West Central District. Though Tainan has an urban population of about 1.1 million, you can walk from the train station all the way over to Shennong Street, which we'll talk about pretty soon, in about a half an hour. And please walk, do walk, you will find so many cool, interesting things as you turn your head left and right looking down a lot of small alleys. You'll probably start your Tainan journey at the train station. Even if you take the high-speed rail down to Tainan, there's a branch railway line that connects the high-speed rail station to the downtown main train station. Exiting the downtown train station to the back, to the east, you'll see National Chenggong University, one of the five best universities in Taiwan. It's published in the rankings almost every year. But to the west, you'll see the main downtown, starting with Tainan Park, which is a beautiful but older park, I think set up by the Japanese, with a cute pond fixated in the middle of it. Now, a lot of these pond parks in cities down in the south will have some kind of temple or pagoda on stilts in the middle of the pond, and you will have a boardwalk pathway that zigzags 
all the way to the pagoda in the middle. This is to ward off any ghosts that might be wandering in to protect the pagoda or temple in the middle, because it's said in some traditions that wandering spirits can only walk in straight lines. So headed away from the park, um, you will also see some art pop-up shops along the train station on the main road. Uh, this can be referred to as Tainan Cultural and Creative Park. There might be some cool pictures to take of some cool murals, but the activities in this area kind of come and go. There's also some bars and western restaurants, but again, they seem to come and go with the season. Back to the main train station, um, you will see Tainan's biggest, or possibly second biggest, rotary, roundabout, traffic circle, whatever you might call it. I call it a rotary where I'm from. And Tainan has a lot more rotaries than other cities in Taiwan, um, I think because of Japanese development in the area. And you'll actually get a lot of Taiwanese who rent scooters down here, but aren't so familiar with driving in rotaries, because where they're from, be it, you know, Shinju, Taichung, or even the East Coast, there are fewer rotaries around. Nevertheless, if you walk straight, you'll be on Chenggang Road, named for Koshinga, which we'll talk about later. If you walk diagonally towards the southwest, you will be on Route 20 or Zhongshan Road. Either way, you're going to be walking towards the main hospital building, which has a bunch of shops kind of clustered around it along the perimeter. Um, some really cool trendy shopping areas with a lot of you know, clothing shops catering towards college students or kitschy souvenir shops, little media-based shops, be it for figurines or for comics or for um, Japanese cartoons, etc., etc. You'll also see some fancy... Um, almost mall-style restaurants, but in food courts outside because, of course, it's Tainan and people love just kind of eating some xiaochi or small eats outside as they're going from place to place. Continuing down Zhongshan Road, you will eventually get to the Tainan Wu Garden, built by a Qing Dynasty merchant or located on the grounds of a former Qing Dynasty temple which has a, a pond, some buildings, a koi pond, I should say. And it also has a memorial museum to some parts of the 228 Kuomintang um, massacres and depression from the 1950s up to the 1970s. I cannot do this part of Taiwan's history justice right now at all. But stories are presented in the first floor of this museum tea house building, it kind of explains some of the terrors uh, committed on residents of Tainan and how the martial law era really was uh, brought the hammer down hard on some of the freedoms that people from Tainan were used to. And most of the people persecuted were academics or the wealthy. Now, this might be a bit more somber, but the area is still quite beautiful. The Wu Garden, and it's definitely worth walking around, if not just to feed some koi fish with some Japanese or Qing Dynasty buildings in the background. There's also a famous Xiaolongbao restaurant nearby there, but it's really, really, really crowded most of the time. Further afield down Zhongshan Road, you'll see the next big rotary, uh, which is flanked by the National Museum of Taiwan Literature. Now, I've never actually been here because I'm, well, reading Chinese is still quite tricky at this point in my life in Taiwan. And most of the literature on display, be them calligraphy or be them uh, published works from certain authors, are written in Taiwanese 
Uh, Taiwanese Minnan, Hokkien, there's many words for this language, but it's a separate language from Mandarin. It's about as different as, let's say, English to German, though it is written still using Chinese characters, so it sometimes is referred to as a dialect. The lines are a bit blurry, even by the way linguists define them, because if someone who only speaks Mandarin reads characters written by someone who only speaks Taiwanese, the meaning can still, still be transferred across, different from the way if a, an English speaker were to read something written by, let's say, uh, an Italian person, they could sound it out, but they couldn't understand the meaning. That was a bit of a long tangent about languages. Nevertheless, we are getting closer to the first small artistic alley, this time called Snail Alley, with, um, well, walking alleys behind houses, really old buildings, some really cute murals painted on the walls, and uh, it's a really winding alley, and you're supposed to go through it quite slow, hence called Snail Alley. In this part of the country, you really see Taiwanese preserving old buildings in a partially ruined way. You'll find brick walls half rebuilt or set up with some kind of artistic focus, but not necessarily for function, kind of beauty in the rubble in a way. Snail Alley is the first place that I'll mention right here. And you'll see shelves with potted plants on them, some kind of antiques on display, some kind of makeshift dollhouses, a 3D mural on the side of one building. You get the idea. And there might also be some kind of pop-up vendors selling coffee or other art supplies here as well. Straight to the north of Snail Alley, you're going to find Chikan Lou or Chikan Tower, affectionately called Chicken Tower by me. This joke quite annoys my friends and my wife. Anyway, Sukan Tower is the historic Dutch colonial fort, later occupied by Koshinga or Zhengqiangong. Um, it was kind of a bit of a lookup military tower, dating back to the 1600s. Um, and this tower itself isn't too tall by any modern standards, but it's three to four floors, and back at the time, that was enough to see all the way to the coast. It is really beautiful and well-preserved, with, I suppose, not a lot of original work left, but traditional red and brown clay tile roofs, some painted red and blue sliding doors, uh, wooden doors on the inside, um, some uh, cannon portholes where cannons would have been placed through, and a beautiful, well-maintained garden around the whole building. And it's, it's an amazing place to take a stroll around, I've visited several times, and it, while at first glance it does look similar to temples in terms of the way their roofs are structured, when you're going through it all, it is very much not a temple. You can see a lot more remnants of the way it was used militarily. And there's some statues outside and some artifacts on display dating back to the 1600s and 1700s as well. Um, right across from the Chikan Tower is the first of to the first two of many temples that I'll be mentioning, because, my goodness, Tainan has at least 12 noteworthy temples for the history books to this day. I'm not going to go into all of them, because, well, then it's just going to be a temple podcast. But there's the God of War Temple and the Grand Mazu Temple. We've mentioned Mazu plenty of times in this podcast, be it the Mazu Temples in Miaoli, Taichung, Yunlin, or Jiayi. But there are Grand Mazu Temples and... Uh, a temple devoted to the god of war, or Guangong, 
and I guess a little bit different from temples up north in Tainan, you'll see temples devoted to more specific deities, as opposed to like, for example, Longshan Temple in Taipei, you'll have altars or shrines to multiple deities, so people can just visit one temple and kind of get get all their prayers out in order as they're going through and visiting the uh, deities. <laughs> right across from the God of War Temple is a really famous uh, Donghua tea shop. Uh, Donghua melon, or winter melon as it translates, is... Um, not widely eaten, but can be widely turned into a sweet tea drink that's really, really sweet and almost a tiny bit herby. Continuing further down uh, Chenggang Road, you will eventually get to yet another huge rotary, and you'll get to some famous restaurants on this rotary, be it eel noodles or uh, kanji porridge. And again, we'll get into more of the food later on. Continuing past this rotary, you'll eventually get to an intersection with Guohua Street. Guohua Street is kind of a multi-use walk, pedestrian and car street with a bunch of morning markets and day markets on it. And you'll see a lot of college students walking around, taking a look at more hipster boutique clothes shops or uh, tea shops getting kind of... Uh, Shoyao Bay or hand-mixed tea drinks. You can get a lot of Tainan food treats here. And uh, this is a place, this is a street that definitely is noteworthy to walk up and down. There's a lot of old buildings, even some buildings so old they're abandoned, but they are still under some historical preservation watch. So you'll see false roofs of metal constructed over a decaying building. Um... Again, kind of beauty in the rubble, as I've said before. So Guohua Street is quite long. It's broken into about three sections, but it goes north to south. And you can, again, get some snacks, get some tea, walk up and down, check out some shops, and check out some remnants of the day's past. So running parallel to Guohua Street, more towards the west, is Haian Street. Now, this street is actually one of the most unique in Tainan, purely because it's actually very wide. In the middle boulevard portion of the street, there's actually an underground parking garage. If you wish to drive a car down here, you could park it. Now, this street is much characterized by a lot of kwai chow, or Chinese-style stir-fry restaurants uh, flanked on either side, of which you would actually take a seat on some tables on the sidewalk and actually enjoy your meal. They've tried to refurbish this street by again adding some more art and murals, and you might actually see it labeled on Google Maps as the Haianlu Art Street. And they've painted a lot of older building facades with massive murals, which is kind of a trend also happening up north too, but this area may have started it purely based off the scale. Haian Street runs north to south, and just off to the side of Haian Street is the aforementioned Shennong Lane. Shennong Street is a historic road with heritage buildings dating back to the Qing Dynasty. These are mostly two-story wooden buildings, not brick, not concrete, wooden market buildings from the Qing Dynasty era that have been really meticulously refurbished and are just picture-perfect and almost drop-dead gorgeous compared to a lot of other slapdash or rundown buildings you can find across Tainan. A lot of these buildings are now being used as restaurants, souvenir shops, some uh, backpackers' hostels possibly, and some high-end retail stores as well, because again, this place does not look like your average street in 
Taiwan, or even in Tainan. The Old World charm dates all the way back to the Qing Dynasty, with the kind of concrete tiles on the ground, with a temple right at the very dead end of the street, the uh, Yao Wang Temple, or Medicine King Temple. The street's also very narrow, I should say. There's lanterns hanging about and a lot of building storefronts that they light up at night. But do come early, maybe around sunset, because a lot of these stores don't stay open super late. Um, There's art around every corner, like I've said many times. And there's art even in the window panes. The glass of the windows are often decorated as well. You'll see art on rotation as well. And some of the stores even actually change hands every few months or even once a year. With the kind of bluish-green sliding doors with the second-floor porch with the old-fashioned metalwork when it is applied to the building's facade and with a lot of really kind of nifty, cool hipster souvenir shops and the occasional craft beer bar because it is 2021, Shandong Street is an amazing place to take a stroll accompanied by some familiar comforts. Again, craft beer. Shennong Street remains this way because it was the eastern part of Beishi Street, Beishi meaning North Power, which is a street that originally ran from Anping Harbor, on the coast of course, into Tainan City in the Qing Dynasty era back in the 1800s. And we will get to the Anping Harbor a little bit later, but there's a few more places in downtown Tainan City that I want to introduce to you. Again, this is all clustered mostly in the West Central District. The Hayashi Department Store, kind of back towards the biggest rotary in the city, is a Japanese-era and Japanese-built department store that was bombed during World War II, because remember, Taiwan was part of Japan at that point. But the building actually mostly survived the bombing, with some remnants of the American bomb, remnants of the shell explosions, visible to visitors on the rooftop floor uh, still to this day. It, It was renovated. It's about four floors high. And while the building does have an interesting history and an antique elevator still in operation, it's a lot of really high end retail. So if you're not looking to spend 500 NT dollars on some soap or spend ridiculous amounts of money on tea, clothing, or even dried fruit, I might recommend giving it a skip. If not, uh, just a quick stop by to see the uh, remnants of American bombs on the uh, rooftop. If I remember correctly, there's also a bit of a pond on the roof as well. And it is a really kind of cool building on the inside with terrazzo floors and kind of columns with a little bit of a an atrium-style ceiling. The Tainan Confucius Temple. One of the oldest Confucius temples in all of Taiwan, of course, this is Tainan City, the first city of the country, really, um, still standing in the same place with some original construction from the 17th century. Now, Confucius temples, different from Taoist temples or Buddhist temples, are often much simpler in construction and design because, well, you don't want to distract the hardworking students studying Confucius's six rites. But this temple has a really quaint and um, nice-to-visit courtyard that you have to walk through, and you do have to pay an entry fee, although it is still an active temple. And you can see some of the original parts of the temple on display and learn a bit how one would pray at a Confucius temple 
And if you've been to other Confucius temples across the island, be it the one in Shinju, the one in Taipei, this one is bigger, older, and a little bit more impressive. Just next door to the Tainan Confucius Temple is the Narrow Door Cafe, which, well, the, the door is quite narrow, obviously. It's a second floor cafe in an old Japanese building with a beautiful interior, kind of almost old world European looking, because when the Japanese did colonize Taiwan, they took a lot of architectural influences from European buildings, because at the time, European buildings were kind of more built to last, and prior to this Japanese colonial period, the Japanese architectural style was very much more wooden-based, and thus notwithstanding typhoons. The Narrow Door Cafe, um, I mean, this may as well just be like a set for a romantic drama, because they have they have a lot of antiques on display, they have a lot of old books, beautiful furniture, really old-fashioned kind of 1950s looking decor on the inside, a little bit of an overpriced cup of coffee, but a lot of kind of really bohemian aesthetics to it. And again, you're on the second floor, you must pass through this very, very narrow alley in the first floor between two buildings to even access it. And I, I would say from memory, it's no wider than 70 centimeters. There's also some uh, boutique clothes for sale up there as well. The Narrow Door Cafe is actually above a bookstore, kind of a more high-end bookstore in which you actually must pay an entry fee to go in, and then that initial fee is taken off of whatever book you buy, which is an interesting compromise to actually encourage people to just buy a book, not just come in as a tourist, look around, check in on Facebook, and leave. And right around the corner from the Narador Cafe in the Confucius Temple is, of course, the Kongmiao Shopping District, or the Confucius Temple Shopping District. Quite similar to the Shennong Street that I mentioned about five minutes ago. And a lot of the shops here kind of sell more handicraft stuff, like, you know, handmade toys, interesting fabric, trinkets, candles, house decorations, wind chimes, a lot of things like that. And at the very, very, very end of this Kongmiao Shopping District Street, which is a uh, through-traffic street, you will see scooters driving down here, as well as pedestrians kind of shopping at pop-up shops. There's this Oden restaurant where you get these old-fashioned Japanese boiled you know, fish cake, turnip, or meatball snacks um, on these sticks that are they're kind of shaped like lollipops in a way but they don't look like all lollipops at all. And uh, they're really, really cheap, maybe like four or five NT per. So you can order a bunch of them as a snack as you're browsing for little knickknacks and, I don't know, handmade candles. Also right in this area, I have to mention, is the remains of the Southern Gate right here at Nanmen Park. And you'll see a lot of these gate remains in places across the country. Hongchun down in the south has a really great preserved old city wall with sections of the wall still intact as well as the, the grand gates. Um, Tainan only has the gates left and the southern gate is probably the largest one. There's part of the wall right there as well that's intact as well and you have the design of the gate with a really kind of menacing and thick brick wall um, flanking the outside of it and a more kind of smaller 
orangish reddish pointed roof structure on top and the actual door to walk through that way back in the day um, soldiers merchants possibly even horses would walk through um, is very small compared to the size of the wall and uh, above building this is built in the Fujianese style from migrants that came across um, from that part of china in the 17th century different from a lot more um, common Chinese-looking gates that you will see across you know, major cities in China as landmarks and more often built in the northern style. And this is a nice place to kind of, you know, take a lunch break if you've actually take, got lunch um, takeaway. The last thing I'll mention about this is you can climb up to the top and there's um, some original cannons still on display from back in the day, back there was limited enforcement of laws outside of the city itself. We're talking about back in the 17th century. And uh, do spend some time walking around this, this park and traversing on the top of this gate. So directly to the east of the southern gate, you have two temples of note. First of all, you have the Grand Lady Linshui's Temple, a temple dedicated to childbirth, and pregnant mothers or women hoping to become pregnant might come to pray here in some traditional southern Chinese folk religion beliefs to praying to a goddess of fertility. Um, the temple is pretty big compared to a lot of other temples dedicated to this purpose. Um, and again, with Tainan's temples being more one by one to specific deities, you would only have to come here. I mean, of course, you can come here as a tourist, but you would come here to pray for, again, pregnancy, fertility, and women's health. Lady Linchway's temple, uh, it's decorated a lot more with with red gates and red facades and statues of Guan Yin, as well as other female deities from Chinese folk religions as well. Right around the corner from this is the Koshinga temple. Koshinga was a Ming-era soldier and general who fought off the Dutch from Taiwan. He is celebrated across both sides of the Taiwan Strait as the only Chinese uh, military leader to, f to fight away a... Uh, an encroaching European power. He got the Dutch off Taiwan and then kind of set up base on Taiwan to rule the last last refuge of Ming Dynasty control as the Qing Dynasty, which was based from northern China, took over all of mainland China. And he ruled um, this part of western Taiwan as a Ming loyalist and called it the Kingdom of Tongning. I'm not exactly sure what Tongning means, but he rebelled against the new Qing dynasty, staying loyal to the older Ming dynasty for, I think, about like 60 years. It might be shorter than that, but it was definitely a substantial amount of time. So he's very much revered in Taiwan as kind of like a prominent early historical figure, and he's revered in China as the only... Chinese general to fight off a European power successfully on basically the first try. Anyway, he's kind of deified in the southern Chinese traditional religion uh, method and prayed to not necessarily as a god, but admired for his accomplishments and his character, um, that being tenacity, that being uh, bravery. And there's actually two different kind of temples set up to him. There's the proper temple itself, the Koshinga temple, just across from the Lady Linchwe temple, 
And there's a second one nearby the Koshinga Museum, just further down the road. There's a massive statue, massive statue compared to buildings nearby of Koshingo right in front of this temple. I can't remember necessarily if the temple it's, has a lot of noteworthy qualities, but it's kind of arranged in a little bit of a central courtyard style with like some dragons in a pond. There's actually some KMT emblems above a gate there. It's more laid out as a peaceful place to kind of revere his accomplishments and get in touch with the past, with the city's history as well. It is very Chinese looking, and this might be an, an influence of the ROC, the Kuomintang, trying to trying to reimagine Taiwan's identity back in the 50s and 60s when they retreated from China onto Taiwan following the Japanese departure. Um, but it's still a very, very impressive temple, and Koshinga's accomplishments can't be can't be understated. Going a little bit west, back across the southern gate, you have an interesting dichotomy. You have what is at the time I'm recording this, the highest building in this part of the city and one of the biggest department stores, that is the Shinkang Mitsukoshi Tainan Shimen department store, right across from Blueprint Culture and Creative Park. These were either soldiers' homes or railway workers' homes um, built in the 1960s or so. Very, very short one-floor buildings, some two floors, that were slated for removal up until the city decided to repossess them and turn them into an arts park facility. It's called Blueprint Culture and Creative Park because a lot of the buildings could only be partially saved. The sides and the walls were sometimes stripped away, leaving only the main beams. And some of the buildings were repainted dark blue, and an artist's installation of kind of like a blueprinting, somewhat visual illusion was set up as kind of an interactive art experience. So when you walk through these old buildings, you'll see banyan trees growing through from the roof, you'll see some rotting wooden pillars, but you'll see them all painted dark blue, and you'll see white lines of string creating certain visual effects and illusions. Those are the one-story buildings. And then in the middle of this park, we have some two-story buildings, somewhat similar to the ones on Shandong Street, but a little bit more modern. Actually, much more modern. What am I saying? They were built like in the 20th century. And there's a lot of murals, really, really cool murals on the outsides of all these buildings, some with cartoon characters, some with kind of quirky 3D effects based off where you stand, some looking more like robots, some looking more like landscapes. And a lot of these have more artist shops that actually aren't overly expensive. I remember seeing a handmade jewelry shop full of handmade copper, platinum, silver jewelry, and nothing being too high price necessarily. There's also some clothes shops, some vinyl shops, some pastry shops, and nothing here that's going to break the bank. Not like you'll find up in Taipei and Huashan Creative Park. It is really interesting seeing these old buildings just right across from what is the most modern and menacing department store in the city. And it's a really cool place to stroll around. If you're lucky, you can find a concert here. The last place that I will mention in the West Central District downtown in Tainan, and I'm sure I've forgotten 
plenty of places because, again, there's like 12 historic temples of note. There's countless arts alleys, and there's a lot of really cool food shops that only the locals will know about. The Black Bridge Sausage Museum. This is one place that a former coworker told me about my first few months in Taiwan, and he was just laughing. <laughs> They've got a sausage museum. Well, yeah, the largest and oldest sausage company in the country is headquartered down here in Tainan. Black Bridge, or Heiqiao, sausage is ubiquitous across the country, giving fatty, pink, spiced, sweet pork sausage that has kind of been like a staple in Taiwan since the KMT arrived in the 1940s. And this is their main manufacturing headquarters. So yes, there's kind of a bit of a campy museum on site, but you can also kind of see a sausage factory in action, which might be off-putting to some people, but it's actually kind of cool. And the museum's, um, the museum's exhibits actually introduce the history of sausage across the world and introduce kind of the way sausage is used in cuisine here in Taiwan. Again, Taiwanese sausage, really fatty, really sweet, sometimes served with different kind of like pickled turnip, pickled mustard greens, spiced red chilies in a rice bun, a rice sausage bun. So you get a sausage in a sausage. And this is not a Tainan thing. This is actually an island-wide thing. But if you're looking for something a little bit campy, if it's rainy in Tainan, I had a good time visiting the Black Bridge Sausage Museum. Again, the novelty doesn't get too old, and it's right downtown. I want to mention one more temple. Yes, another temple. And this one is a little bit more unique. Because you don't have a temple dedicated to this idea in every city, this is the Ufei Temple, or the Temple of the Five Concubines. Because when the Qing Dynasty finally did roll up to Taiwan and finally take over what is now part of Western Taiwan, kicking the Ming loyalists out. There was a prince that was currently ruling at that time before losing the kingdom of Tongning, as it was referred to. And rather than submitting to the Qing dynasty conquerors, his five concubines committed suicide, actually, after the prince himself was killed. In honor of their loyalty to their relationship, they were deified in that kind of method where a certain person's act of bravery can be honored in a temple. Now, whether or not you agree that this was an act of bravery, it was kind of just viewed so in this point in history. And there's a temple dedicated to the five concubines on the site of the former cemetery where they were actually buried in the 1600s. <laughs> Right by the ocean, just to the west of Tainan City's downtown, you have the district of Anping, which at one point in history was the busiest port in all of Taiwan. But through successive typhoons across the centuries, the port has silted up. And what remains today is kind of a cute walking old street, a bunch of historical sites to visit, and some great ocean views. Not necessarily around the beaches, but around mangroves and wetlands. 
Anping downtown, if you want to call it a downtown, begins when you reach the old Dutch fort. The Dutch fort was originally built in the 1600s and has been successfully has been successively rebuilt across the years by the Qing dynasty, by the Japanese, and by the KMT. However, there are parts of it that are still intact from certain historical periods. And the novelty of having a European design building in Asia dating back to that early part of Taiwan's history, is not lost on the residents. It's definitely a central, defining part of Anping, and you can see a lot of statues, red brick floors and walls. You can go up to the lookout tower and see some uh, old Dutch cannons at the time were powerful enough to reach to the ocean just nearby. There's also some old Dutch furniture, and other European artifacts on display. And you can learn more about the history of this site as well. I should mention also that if you are coming to Anping and going to be snacking on the obligatory Old Street, it is impossible to find parking anywhere nearby. So better off to take a bus, walk, or take a taxi because every time I've driven here on a scooter, I've had to park illegally. If you are snacking on the Anping Old Street, it's famous for these kind of fried shrimp cake rolls. Uh, it is kind of crushed up or diced up shrimp wrapped in some kind of thin tofu skin and then deep fried and served with some kind of spicy sweet sauce. It's actually really, really good and not too expensive either. Further afield down into Anping, you have the former Tate and Company Merchant House, uh, which is a really another grandiose white painted European looking building with, with massive porches. And uh, it's pretty well preserved from the, the time period where it was built. Now you could spend some time exploring the inside of it and seeing all of the artifacts on display, learning about the history of the merchants. But most people come here to go to the storage shed in the back, now affectionately called the Anping Treehouse, because this old storage warehouse has been taken over in this monstrous way by a series of banyan trees. Banyan trees are a kind of tropical tree in which roots of the trees grow from the branches all the way down back into the soil. Thus the trees kind of grow outward as well. This warehouse has been overtaken by banyan trees. The door frames of the walls are shorter than the average full-grown human uh, today. So you need to duck as you walk through it. There's a dirt floor, there's brick walls, and all well shaded by successive banyan trees. And it's a fantastic place to walk around. It's almost surreal being there. There's also an elevated walkway. You can walk on some metal steps and paths over it to kind of get a look to see the way the tree has swallowed this building. And if you're brave enough, try climbing parts of the tree. Just don't get caught. Further afield into Anping, a lot of people would rent bikes and bike out to the somewhat under construction Taizhang National Park. The government designated parts of the wetlands in this area as a national park to protect some of the migrating bird species that are actually quite rare. But there had already been a lot of development in this area, be it factories or housing developments or even fish farms. So the national park isn't exactly so well put together just yet. 
but you can take a an estuary boat ride if you head over to what's called Sicao or Four Grass Wetlands. And there's actually a temple right nearby the place to catch the boat tour that has anatomically correct lions flanking each side of it. It was funny to me when I was a lot younger. The boat ride will go up and down the estuary and kind of explain the way certain trees hold the soil together and certain crabs and crayfish in their natural ecosystem and how the wetlands kind of save more land from being swallowed into the sea. The last place I'll mention in Anping is actually called the Eternal Golden Castle. Now, don't get confused. This is not a, a residential castle like the Dutch fort was. This is truly just a, a combative military castle. It's a four-cornered battalion with thick brick walls and a very, very narrow long tunnel gate going into a, a moated defense area with a lot of cannons, some archaeology in the area, and a big open green space. This is the Dutch battle fort. And battles were fought here against the against the Fujianese, against the Japanese, against the Ming Dynasty loyalists. And yes, the Dutch built it. It was used by different governing forces across the centuries. And there's original parts of the actual foundation have been excavated as this site has been rebuilt by the occupying powers through the years. Um, it's really kind of like a, an interesting place to walk around because it's one of the only buildings in Taiwan that I know that has a moat and the cannons are actually kind of awesome. And it's right here, not 10 minutes away from downtown Tainan City. So Anping silted up and the trade headed more south towards Kaohsiung. But Anping to the west of Tainan City downtown does have a lot of really interesting places to visit. A nice old street to walk, a Dutch fort, a Dutch fortress, a treehouse that is probably the most surreal treehouse I've ever seen, and a national park just to its north. Tainan City has a lot more to offer than I've introduced. I focused a lot more on the history in this podcast, but there is probably one of Taiwan's most famous night markets, the Garden Night Market, just in the north part of the city. There's also the Qimei Museum, a museum set up by the Qimei Company to kind of show off or introduce the um, CEO's massive collection. And it has a very European-style garden and European-style dome on top. A lot of Taiwanese will come here just to visit the grounds, not even go to the museum. But I've been told by people who have actually visited it that it has a lot of really amazing collections of uh, European paintings, as well as even uh, antique violins, which is kind of cool. Um, Tainan also has a lot of universities, smaller universities, in addition to National Chang'an University. And the city itself, the downtown city of about 1.1 million, is only one part of the wider former Tainan County. Yes, they merged the county and the city all together into one municipality. So most of the rest of the county, which has dozens of different districts, formerly towns, are quite agricultural, quite small, and don't have a lot to offer the practical traveler. But Tainan, once you get more inland, is known for growing a lot more fruit. 
You'll see pineapple farms, mango farms, wax apple farms as well. The only places I think I, I will mention for the rest of Greater Tainan is a temple in Xuejia district that is said to hold an idol at the center of the temple, which would be, would be worshipped, that was actually carried in the 1600s by Koshinga. I'll have to verify that fact, but it was a cute little small town to visit, a nice stopping up point on a, a road trip. The temple, of course, is called the Tsuchi Temple in Xuejia town or district. There's also Dongshan District, or literally Eastern Mountain District, which is famous for a kind of braised duck head. You'll see Dongshan duck head for sale across the entire country. But the original is actually totally worth getting. They somehow figured out a way to take the offcuts of a duck and turn them into candy. I'm not joking. Really, really, really sweet duck neck, duck skin, duck wings, duck hearts. Flavors that seem odd on long-cooked duck meat, but it's worth trying. There's a hot spring town called Guanzaling to the north of Tainan, where there's this bizarre tourist trap called water on fire, or water mixes with fire, because a natural gas plume caught fire, a very, very small one, caught fire, um, and somebody tried to f divert a stream to put it out, but of course the gas keeps coming out, and then it looks like there's water that's on fire. If you're in the area, take a look. It's not worth any more than three minutes of your time. The 175 highway um, through the eastern foothills of Tainan City, formerly Tainan County, is known as the Dongshan Coffee Road, where a lot of coffee farms were recently set up as a way to get farmers off betel nut and have a more sustainable crop that is healthier for the soil. And there's a lot of these individual coffee farms will offer coffee gardens with views overlooking the entirety of the Tainan Plains. And while this is not necessarily a characteristic mountain road in, tai in Taiwan, it definitely is one of the most picturesque drives, whether you're on a scooter or driving a car or even, even taking a bike ride uh, in the entire country. And you can hop from coffee shop to coffee shop drinking coffee grown right there on that exact coffee farm. And the last funny thing about this road is that if you go in the right season, long-end trees growing the long-end fruit, which is called long-yen in Chinese, will just hang over into the road. And if you're on a bike especially, you just stop, reach up, pull off some fruit, eat it. No one cares. A lot of it just falls off into the actual road. Um, long ends are really kind of grape-sized brown fruit that have a little bit of an herby taste. Tainan does have one more interesting thing to offer. And that is the fireworks festival in the Yanshui district. But that epic experience warrants a whole episode. So we'll talk about that some other time. If you want to engage with Taiwan's history, if you want to visit a place with a lot of civic pride, and if you want to experience a city that feels way smaller than it actually is, with historic sites clustered in an easy, walkable central area, dating back to the 1600s, and snacking on some very, very specific regional food, I implore you to come to Tainan. 
it's one of the three required places you should come to when you come to Taiwan. So to close out this episode about Tainan, we have to talk about food. There's a lot of Taiwanese dishes that might have their origin story in Tainan, but they're kind of ubiquitous across the island nowadays. But there's some dishes that you will only actually find in Tainan. The first one I mentioned already is the Anping shrimp rolls, which are minced up shrimp mixed with some kind of scallions or leeks, a little bit of pork fat, and then wrapped in tofu skin, deep fried, served with ginger and thick soy sauce and thick mustard to dip in in some restaurants. And you can find them across the entire city, but they're more so an Anping specialty. The next one I'll mention is called Mua Gui, could loosely translate as savory rice pudding. It's mashed rice, the consistency of pudding, and served with a chunk of pork fat, a chunk of pork meat, uh, an egg yolk, a shrimp, and possibly a chestnut, although I could be making that up. And then spread with some thick soy sauce on top, as well as some thick, thick garlic sauce. This is eaten with a spoon, and it's, it's actually really good. It sounds kind of, well, kind of simple, but the pudding made from the rice actually does kind of gel together in a very appetizing way, although it doesn't sound that way, I'm sure, as I'm describing it. And this is sometimes found across the rest of the island, but it's actually more of a Tainan specialty. And if if you're an elderly person and have issues chewing because of bad teeth, this is actually a decent compromise to actually still get some, hello Kirby, some you know, meat, shrimp, and egg yolk. The third thing I'll mention that's a very specific Tainan specialty is called Danzai Mian, or Danzai noodles. This is a variation on just a typical kind of egg noodle dish that was developed in the 1800s and sold from buckets by fishermen, um, buckets thrust forward on bamboo poles. Uh, it's flavored with minced pork, some fresh shrimp, some leek, some oil, and um, of course some scallions. And uh, the consistency, the uh, thickness or viscosity of the oil and the flavor, it also has some bean sprouts for extra texture, has kind of made it a Tainan staple. Sounds simple, really delicious. The fourth one I'll mention that is very much a Tainan thing is anything based around milkfish. Uh, milkfish is a fish, it's nothing to do with milk at all, but it has a very kind of thick and soft meat, not overly fishy. It can be made into fish ball. It can be served whole with shredded scallions and bean sprouts and chilies. And there's a lot of milkfish farmed in this area. It is often quite big, so it yields a lot of meat for, and it could even feed a whole family in some, some cases. It can also be served fried. You can get the fish belly itself fried or even grilled. Up next, I think I'll have to mention migao, or what would literally translate as rice cake, but it's more like a pile of rice. It's not a cake at all. While this is a very simple dish, and it might be conf confused with luro fan, found across the entire island, this is actually served with different flavoring, a higher oil concentration, and often with fish flakes, separate from uh, the braised pork found across the rest of the island. 
and these are served um, in small restaurants across the whole city. And actually, on our last um, road trip, uh, my wife was craving it so much that as we were leaving Jai, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put in driving directions straight to this particular Migao restaurant, not to Tainan downtown. That's the first stop. Let's get Migao right now. And again, it's quite simple, but the flavors are very old-fashioned. And with the kind of fish floss on top, it gives it a very, both a fishy and a meaty flavor. And the rice kind of holds onto the oil quite well. The last food that I think I'll mention that's very much a Tainan-only thing, coffin bread. And this is bizarre because it's not exactly... It doesn't seem very Taiwanese. It's basically a giant piece of buttered toast, thick cut, with the middle torn out and filled with a chowder. It's said that it was developed back in the day when there was American soldiers stationed here um, during the Cold War. It's still served today across certain parts of Tainan, although I'll say that it's not super popular. Seafood chowder in the middle with certain kind of diced up western vegetables with thick cut toast it's basically a bread bowl just minus the clams and probably with not with very very heavy milk content i think last but not least i have to mention the freshwater eel noodles because the flavor is a little bit odd the eel doesn't look particularly appetizing as you have uh, sliced sides of eel just kind of draped over this giant pot uh, raw open to the air the shop itself is kind of de- decrepit looking but again it's that beauty in the rubble the shop hasn't actually changed any kind of decor probably in decades but what you get is freshwater eel kind of blanched with some kind of um soft noodles as well as hard noodles in the bottom and all this is covered in some kind of spicy sauce and it's a little bit expensive for the quantity of food you actually get it is also a little bit spicy but you do get quite a generous portion of eel meat in this noodle dish served again with bean sprouts and leek if you can handle the texture and the look of the eel freshwater eel i should say because it's different in Chinese, freshwater eel versus saltwater eel. It's kind of a thrilling dinner to have, and it's actually quite filling. That's all for today on the Dear Taiwan podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode about Tainan. It was tough trying to cover every interesting place in the city, and I'm 100% sure I left some places out. I've really enjoyed every trip down to Tainan, but admittedly, I haven't been for a few years, so I was a bit nervous <laughs> making this episode thinking I would be forgetting some things. But hopefully my excitement makes up for any mistakes I made while introducing this city. It truly is a great city to visit. Thanks for listening. This has been Teacher Joseph. Up next, we'll visit both Kaohsiung and Pingdong, continuing our trip down south. 